say this as well. Uh, years ago, I gathered with a group of men in my kitchen because I, we, I just kept failing in different areas of, of leading men. I wanted, I wanted a, a good, solid group of men. How many of you guys know that, that if the, the men are together, chances are the families are in better shape, the, the world is in better shape, the missions, and everything we do is in better shape. So I gathered a bunch of people in my kitchen, and they're all, the one thing they had in common was they're all men that I respected. I said, what made you you? And I got on my dry erase board. What, how, you, you became you somehow. How did you become you? And I was really shocked that it wasn't like 14 different ideas. All of them to a man said I was a part of a group. I was, I was, I was a man who needed to be discipled. I became a part of a group of people that were reading, believing, and living the word. And in time, you know, this is what you see is now what they gave me. So I encourage you. I, I, as Dina already said, for the support of it, for the iron that sharpens iron of it, um, because loving God is awesome and loving to serve is wonderful, but if you're not in an environment where you get to love people and be loved by people, you're gonna love God and you're gonna burn yourself out. You're gonna love God, go through a hard time and nobody's gonna know a thing about it. You're gonna convince yourself the church never really cared about me. All they wanted was for me to volunteer at their whatever, right? So we need, the church is a body. The thumb needs the hand, the hand needs the wrist, the wrist needs the arm, the arm needs the elbow. Come on, somebody say amen. I'll go through the whole body until somebody says amen. The elbow needs the shoulder, the knees, okay, good, right? So we, we need each other. We, this is not an individual sport. This is very much a family and a team. So if you're not a part of that, if you weren't here next week and no one would notice you, you need to be a part of something smaller. Small doesn't mean insignificant. It actually means just the opposite in the body of Christ. Where two or more are gathered together in my name, Jesus says, I won't miss that. I'm going to be there. So uh, one last thing is I, I'm teaching a class, Financial Peace University. I'm teaching a class. I've got a helper. His name's Dave Ramsey. He's going to help me a little bit. And it's going to be a virtual class, and we've got plenty of room because it is a virtual class. If you'd like to get your, your finances into a more biblical state, get out of debt, um, figure out how the banks are ripping you off and how, the, how you're falling for stuff, come on, Dave, I'll say amen because you taught this before I did, right? It's a great class. Join it, and uh, we'd love to see it. So... Um, how many guys have enjoyed this series? Hasn't it been good? Let's talk about dirt. The let's talk about part of it, uh, as you turn to Matthew chapter 13, is um, I, we're doing it here with the adults, but we're also doing it with high school. We're also doing it with junior high school. We're also doing it with our first through fifth graders. We're also doing it with our three, four, and five-year-olds. And for all I know, there's nursery kids quoting Matthew chapter 13. We are, as a, as a family body, we are studying similar things, the same topic, similar, you know, the same scriptures, but similarly uh, at, at the same time. So think of it this way, like, like if, if the water uh, is the word and the word is water, we're putting it in bottles for babies, sippy cups for little guys, we're putting it in a lid with a straw in it so if it tips over for our fifth, fifth graders, um, if it's high school, junior high school, I don't know what it is, uh, probably a, a big gulp of it or something. Uh, those of us that are older, it's probably a large stein with a lid on it singing Irish songs. But we are, we are attempting to get the same truth into families at the same time. And we've heard some really great reports. I got in the car, and I asked my third grader, what would you learn in church today? And they learned something that I learned. Like what was a revelation to them was a revelation to me. And we got to talk intelligently about the kingdom of God, about what Jesus said. So let's talk about dirt. We're transitioning next week into let's talk about us. What is the purpose of vision? What's the power of vision? What's the vision of this house, the long game, the eternal vision of this house? And uh, we've got a lot of good things ahead of us. So that's coming up in October. Let's talk about dirt one last time. Matthew chapter 13, verse 8. If you're here, say amen. If you're not, say oh my. There's always one. There's always one. It's usually a deacon or a staff member. There it was. 
Jesus continues, and this is the last part of his parable, the four parts is this. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, and some of the crop was a hundredfold, some was 60, some was 30 what was sown. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Understand this, whenever Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear, he's saying what I just said to you is deeper than what I just said to you. There's, there's a mystery involved in what I, the words I just used are not just, well, if you got the meaning of them, that's not what it means. There's a lot more to it. So he comes back in verse 23, and he says this, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. We'll get back to that word in a minute. They understand it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, the word understands here doesn't mean they understood the Aramaic phrases or the Greek words or the pronunciation of those words. Understanding, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a comprehension, it's an apprehension. It's not, I know, I know what it says. It's, I know what it means in an applicable way. We talked about this word once before, uh, four weeks ago, and we talked about those who hear the word and don't understand it. That same word, don't understand, that the word, the understand part of that is they do understand. And this is the illustration that we used, is some people, that, that, the, the seeds sown along that hardened ground, like they were so messed up that they couldn't see a dinosaur. They could not connect the dots. I, I don't see what you're talking about. It, it's not true. It's not real. I don't believe the Bible. And we talked about why that was and how a heart can harden and what to do about it three weeks ago. So please listen to that. If you're still struggling with that, listen, I, 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 please, please get that heart tilled up so God can start to speak to you and good things can happen. But if your heart is good, you can look at that and you can say, I see it. So those who hear the word and they can connect the dots to their lives. That's what that word means, understands. Everybody look right here. Understanding the words, memorizing the words, um, being smarter at the Bible than the guy next to you. It's all wonderful. But none of it makes a difference in your life until the Bible makes a difference in your life. And, and that's what Jesus is getting at. This whole parable has not been about, you know, you should study harder or pray more. It's all about there's a truth that must connect. There's a seed that has to germinate. There's, there's something that you are, that your heart is, your mind is, your spirit, your soul is. And when that truth hits that in an applicable way, when you apprehend it, it apprehends you. When, when those two become one, when the seed and the soil marry, something magical happens. Reproduction happens. There's this 30, 60, 100 full thing. So, um, and the second thing is, is when, they, when you apprehend it, when you understand it, this is what happens. That person produces. Everybody say produces. So this is what I call the seed to deed conversion. Uh, I think one of the things that is largely missing from study, and, and I want to say this very carefully, and I don't want to say this, there's no indictment on anybody. I, I, indict me, but, I, but I'm, not, I'm not demeaning anything. I have not been to Bible college. Um, I went to one semester, it, it didn't do me much good, and I, and I left, and we, we you know, came to ministry. You guys have been my Bible college, and, and the school colors have been black and blue, so thank you for all the bruises along the way. But, but this, if you know the hermeneutics of Luke and historiography, but you don't know how to love your own wife, you, you understand the disconnect. If you understand eschatology and hermeneutics and homiletics and all these big words. I, I, I love that. There's something wonderful about it. But if it doesn't apply to me, I can't apply it to you. And so when we train ministers, often it's in academic settings. Nothing wrong with academic. We need to know the truth, but the truth has to do something in our lives that sets us free. Memorizing verses is wonderful. But if you don't get them into your heart until they become your actions, they're just syllables that go concurrent with another syllable. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the importance here is this. There's the seed to deed conversion where nouns of belief 
become the verbs, the actions of our lives. So uh, the Bible says, love your wife. And if you know that, you know, husbands love your wife, says Christ loves that, and you slap the buzzer, the church, that's right, for 10 points. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a good start. But how many of you guys know that the seed to deed conversion, you don't know that you should, you actually do. Why? Because the word told me to, so I, I do. Wives, believe in your husbands. Wives, believe in your slap. Husbands, that's correct for 15 points. Congratulations, Red 3. I mean, guys, we're Bible quizzers, and that makes sense. If not, it's like Red 3. It, it, Richard Dawson used to have a game show. It's wonderful. So that's not true. Uh, he did. It was Family Feud. That's not what I'm talking about. So I, that's true. But, but how many of you guys know there's a difference between knowing what the Bible says and being able, being capable of actually applying it to your life and it coming out of your life as fruit? When the Bible says don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, and, and we go, I, I, I didn't. Well, why? But because the Bible told me to. That's the seed to deed conversion. Now, every seed has to go through a process. Jesus has been clear about what that process looks like and what hinders it, what stunts it, what destroys it. And uh, in the same way that a seed has to go through a germination process, can I suggest to you that understanding the word is not just hearing it, but there's something else. How, how many of you guys know that, that reading the Bible is important? Say Amen. But there's this other thing called like meditating on the word. It's a lot in Psalms. I, I think because David was a shepherd and he had a lot of time to think, to think deeply, to think repetitively, to, to really get it into his heart. Because I, if you talk to sheep, they don't often talk back. And if they do, you need a break from, from the sheep, right? So he had this time to think about the Lord, to, to look up in the stars and write music that the Holy Spirit gave him and just have fellowship with God. So there was a lot of that meditative time. Now, we don't have a lot of meditative time because we have cell phones. I have a lot of meditative time because the, the world is so interesting right now. It's just hard not to watch something scandalous. How many of you guys remember when we didn't have enough scandals so we watched soap operas? And now you just turn on the news. It's a wonderful day for America. If you're bored, turn on the news, and rage will quickly replace boredom. Just depends on which channel you watch, who you'll be outraged at, but there'll be plenty of it to go around, right? So every seed has to go through a process. Hear me, every scripture has to go through a process. We've we got to get it from what we know to who we are. So Jesus uses these words. Says, the word goes from what I hear. He goes, someone who hears the word. So we have to hear it. We have to read it. We have to think about it. If someone has to talk to us about it. We have to hear a sermon, listen to it on the radio, get it in a fortune cookie for all I care. But somehow that word comes to us, to what I understand that actually displaces. Everybody say displaces. I don't just know it. It actually has an effect on my life that pushes something less true or untrue out. Boy, we could do a study. We should do a study on identity at some point. The authority of Scripture, we've studied to some degree, but the identity of the believer is such a radical transformation when you realize who you really are. And as that Scripture comes, it pushes out who you're not or who you think you are or who, who the world has told you you are, good or bad, and the Bible comes and displaces that. So it goes from someone who hears the word and understands it, this is the one who produces a crop. Um, so what's that look like in your life? I mean, if you were to kind of say, this is really where I'm at as, as a believer right now, would your life look something like this? I'm going I'm to put some, some word on you. Here's the Bible. I've been studying the same parable for a month now. And here's the word on you. How much of it has actually germinated to a point of decision and change in your life. Now, that's not an indictment. Oh, I, I don't know. I've been so busy. It's been hard. There's a, there's a pandemic, for goodness sake, and I'm so interested in the Supreme Court and, and the, the, the protests and the, and the this and the that. I'm just, I'm so interested. I, I get that. But understand this. We've been sowing the word for a month now about sowing the word. How much of it has gotten past the hardness? How much of it has gotten past not just that, but, but the rocky stuff, right? That's gotten deep in there so that when it's tried, 
or it's tested. I do something stupid. Your neighbor does something stupid. Your spouse does something stupid. The world does something stupid. Is there enough of Jesus in you, in the form of the word, that your heart can totally be broken or totally enraged, but your mind knows the word of God enough to tell your heart to behave? I don't need emotions to keep me moving forward. I have truth, and my emotions will follow what I believe. I do, when, I, when I see it, I'll believe it. No, when I believe it, I'll see it. There's a completely different thing. So your heart needs your head, again, to engage and to trust. Um, does, does your world look something like this? I've been hearing the Bible. Oh, there's so much going on that it's the seed amongst the weeds. Now, how would you harvest that? That's, that's a hay field. That's not a harvest that you can actually harvest. That's, a, that's as many weeds as there is seeds. And this, again, is where, where lies of equal or greater value are believed. Then the word comes, but it, it can't produce fruit. You can't mature because you're believing a lie while trying to believe the truth at the same time. Can I, I, I said it earlier, but I really want to give you the best piece of advice I can. How many of you guys would really like to enjoy your Bible study more? You'd like to get more out of it. I would, so my hand's up. All right, here's the greatest piece of advice I can give you at the moment. It might change next week, but this is the best one I have for you. Before you open your Bible, you bow your head and you say something along the lines of this. Holy Spirit, you penned these words through the hands of men. Whatever you meant to them, I want you to mean to me. Before I read a single promise, before I observe a single prohibition, before I see a thou shalt, a thou shalt not, my answer to every question will be yes if you ask it. And then open the Bible and let it begin to speak to you I, I've learned this. A friend of mine said this to me about a year ago and how his life has changed since this. He said, he said, I just want you to know before we go into the Word today, I said yes to God. I said, you know, you're, you're like a believer. <laughs> you're like a, you know, a minister. What do, you, what do you mean you said yes to God? He said, he said I don't really know. I said, I don't understand. He goes, I just, God, I just feel like God's, like get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Tonight, I told the Lord that my answer is yes. I don't know the question yet. But I've already told him my answer is yes. How many of you guys understand, if you say yes to God and then open the Bible, I bet you have a very different experience with the Word of God. Because now when it says, will you stop, will you start, will you go, will you stay, will you love, will you forgive, if we've already said yes to our master and then here is instructions, life can be different. Do you guys get that? Look at this one here. The good dirt was good because it heard the truth. It displaced lies. It created a transformational, Romans 12, 2, a transformational understanding and became the way the hearer live life over and over and over again, producing God's living will as a witness 30, 60, or 100 times over. I, I don't know who came up with the thought that Christianity was a narrowing of life. I know people say, well, you know, the road to life is narrow. And, and I, this drives me crazy. So let me just, can I just say it passionately? I'll just say it nicely, and, but consider it passionate, Okay. Because um, I don't want to freak anybody out. The road to eternal life is narrow. There's only one door. His name is Jesus. Good deeds don't get you there. Mercy gets you there. There will be no people in heaven because they were good. There'll be no people in hell because they were bad. No one goes to heaven because of their goodness. No one goes to hell because of their badness. People go to heaven because of God's forgiveness. It's mercy. We, we said, please. He said, absolutely. We said, thank you for all eternity. Or he said, will you? We said, nope. And he said, well, I, I, can't give you, I can't give you anything when your hands are closed. I can't give you anything when your minds are closed. When your dirt is so hard, I'm telling you, I love you. I'm screaming it at you from the heavens, from the clouds, from my goodness, from the breath in your lungs, and you still can't hear my love for you. I don't know what else to do. I gave my son to die on a cross for you, and you found some sort of gap or some sort of loophole to avoid that affecting your life. I have loved you as much as I 
I can ever love you. I can't give more than Jesus. And you refuse to hear how much I love you. Every blockade we have to go over that God has set up for us on the road to hell, people who get there got there on purpose because all it took was mercy to get them out of hell and into heaven because there's not good people. So this understanding right here, hey, there's no crying in baseball, Declan, hold it down. All right. So people think, well, Christianity is you're not allowed to smoke anymore. You're not allowed to chew anymore. You're not allowed to drink stuff. You're not allowed to watch movies over a certain rating. You're, you're, not, you're not allowed to have friends that, you know, have tattoos. You're not allowed to listen to music. You're not allowed to go to concerts. You're not allowed to. I, can, I, can I tell you something? That, that view of Christianity, I, it's such a brilliant marketing tactic of the devil to make you think that when you give your life to Jesus, you're all get smaller. Your life is supposed to get bigger. That, that's what your life is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fruit upon fruit upon fruit upon fruit. I was, I was just astounded at the goodness of God today. It happens from time to time. It wasn't a purposeful exercise. Find three things you're grateful for and begin to thank God for to get your mind. It wasn't that. I just realized again today how good God is to me and how I don't deserve anything he's given me. I don't deserve her. I don't deserve our sons. I don't deserve our perfect daughter-in-laws. I don't deserve my absolutely perfect grandchildren. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve this. I deserve hell. But Jesus through giving me his word and me loving her, through us loving them, through them learning how to love, loving, you know, they're called to the ministry, they're good husbands, and now I got grandbabies. How many of you guys know that by obeying the word of God, my life looks like that? And if I hadn't heard his voice, and if I hadn't responded to his commandments, where I would have been is jail or dead, because that's where I was heading when I met him. So this whole thought that Christianity is restrictive is be lonely. Boy, I'm trying to find something. Yeah, it's not true. That is the Christian life. I am blessed because he said, if you, then I. And when I heard the if you will, and, and he gave me the grace to say okay and to do it, and I got Dina, and I got you. We talk about life groups, and this isn't a life group sermon, but it's just the first thing that came to my heart. Yes, I know, but I'm so busy. But the Bible says we, we need each other. As iron sharpens iron, so one man, so woman sharpens another. It, it won't happen because I'm a good speaker. You cannot name five sermons. You've been here for years, some of you. You can't name five sermons that have been this life-changing moment in your life. I remember the verse. I remember the title of the sermon. I remember the shirt you were wearing that Sunday. You can't name five of them. If I gave you five minutes, maybe you come up with orphans to heirs, wise greater than what. But what you're doing, you're talking about, you know, those are like major messages, right? Oh, this last series. It's not that this last series, you just remember it because we just had it. Come on. I'm not offended by that. Let's do an exercise. How many guys can, can tell me, not this series, but the series before? What was the series about? prayer what was the last teaching on prayer that i did in that series we spent 13 weeks in a row what was the last teaching about can i be honest with you before you answer i'd have to think about it i don't really know so name five sermons that have changed your life you probably can't i'm not offended by that it's my reality too but if i were to say to you i'll give you five seconds to name five people that have changed your life how many guys know that's i don't need five seconds the only thing that takes five seconds is pronouncing their names I know they are right now. I can name five people. Some of you are in the room right now. Hear my heart. We are supposed to be like that. And the Bible gives us the seed, and it has to hit the ground of obedience. Those who hear the word and understand it, the noun of the word becomes the verb of our lives, becomes the fruit that everybody gets to enjoy. My life is what it is, not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it, not because I'm smart enough. And can I be honest with you? Same goes for you. 
Every good and perfect gift comes from where? Anybody know? It comes from God. And God loves to give gifts kind of as a, you know, if you put a good seed in good soil water and leave it alone, God does this miracle. That's a lot of what the word is in our lives as well. God does these amazing things. But the word has to go from seed to deed. I'll give you one last thing. Piano girl, join me if you would. John chapter 1, verse 1, and then we'll skip down to verse 14. It says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. How many of you guys know the word's good? It's, it's, it's saying Jesus and Scripture are, well, which one's which? Is, is Jesus a walking book? Is the book really alive? I think what he's saying is like, this is my blood, but it's grape juice. I, I want you to realize that when I look at this, what I see is that. The Bible is God saying to mankind, I give you my word. And when he gave Jesus, he said, I give you my word. Does that make sense? They're both the fulfillment of promises. They're both prophecy. They're, they're both, so in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. But notice verse 14. Even though we have the word, what did God do? God sent flesh. I hope you get this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the one, the only begotten son of God. Now hear me. In the same way that the word of God preached the word of God on scrolls, the word of God is penned by the hand of Moses, the minor prophets, the major prophets, the kings, the shepherds. It's all good. Somebody say amen. Remember that? Jesus and prophecy, same thing. Jesus and, and Deuteronomy, same thing. Jesus and Leviticus, same. Jesus and Genesis. Yes, Jesus is the, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. But it wasn't enough to hear without seeing it alive. We, we knew of God through the word, but we saw him when Jesus came in the flesh. Can I suggest to you that the world could be changed by a group of people who didn't just know it, but they lived it. We had an exercise Wednesday in Staff Chapel. I said, what, what do we do for the people that have rocky soil, weedy soil? hard soil. What we, what's the best thing we can do? Well, you pray, you love them. But let me just, let's do the same exercise here. What, what happens when a church hears the word but doesn't receive it because their hearts are hard? Anybody know? Nothing. What, what happens when a church hears the word and their emotions get stirred in the moment but not their faith in real life? Anybody know what happens? You know? Nothing. What happens when a church hears the word, but they're so full of cares, worries, pleasures, and the desire for other things? What happens when the church hears the word and that's the condition of a corporate heart? It's life. I mean, we get to go to heaven, but we don't get to reproduce. So the last question is this. What, what happens when a church hears the word, understands it, gives their lives to it, that takes on flesh, our flesh, and we live it together in community? You know what happens? Revival. 25 years I've gotten just the great, great privilege. We have had the great privilege of serving this church. And there are times, right, when that's clicking. There, not, not isn't like every department simultaneously, but there's time when the youth get that. And man, they are on fire for God. There's times when children's ministry has gotten that. And literally, if the doctor came to me and said, you've got stage 19 cancer, you died four weeks ago and no one told you, I would go to the children's ministry because of what God was doing revival-wise in our children. There have been times when this congregation, the altars have been filled, people who hate each other are reconciling, the Holy Spirit's moving. What was happening was that. We were taking God at his word. It was finding good soil. 
and we're moving forward. Now, I, I'm not sure if we're supposed to always be that way. If it's my responsibility, your responsibility, our responsibility, who's failing, who's to blame, I could care less. I just know this. I've lived that from time to time. As a youth pastor, we live that from time to time. Our, in our, in our, our small group, we live that. Our staff, we've lived that from time to time. I don't want to visit there. I want to live there, and I want you to come with me. How do we get there? Those who hear the word can connect the dots to their lives to do the seed to deed conversion and do it in community will know revival. That's the way this works. And that's where we've been heading for a month. So I'm sorry that you don't quite get the word sometimes. Please understand I don't either. I'm sorry that it's confusing, especially as you get into end times. I'm sorry that it's not, it's not as sexy as what you see um, when you just turn on a TV set to be entertained. I'm sorry that it is, um, that maybe someone preached it wrong to you and, and maybe even used it to manipulate you or hurt you. Or, you know what I mean? I'm sorry. But all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful correcting. It's useful for encouraging and exhorting. It's useful for rebuking. It's useful for training people in righteousness so that the man or woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good We have such a high calling. We have such powerful and beautiful promises. We have a loving God who told us where the landmines are and warned us not to put our feet there. He told our heads how to keep our hearts in line. He told our hearts to be on fire in his presence where there's joy forevermore and pleasures at his right hand. He has given us everything pertaining to life and righteousness and holiness and eternity, and he's placed it in your hearts. And if you have a dream that God gave you. And, and, and what, can I just add one to there? That as you're building your company, as you're building your family, as you're, would you remember that the, the foundation of reaching this community, God's solution to sin's issues, is a, pe- a bunch of people that have resolved the sin's issues. And they live with this great fruit. Great fruit. I, I'm afraid that weeds make us, isn't that we're not, not going to heaven, it's that we're just not different enough from the world around us that they would notice anything attractive. Churches that have a lot of weeds. Can I just say this and then I'll close? Nobody said anything. Okay. Why, yes, I would love to hear that. Good. Thanks, Mom. It's not a holiness issue. It's really not. It's a, it's a fruit issue. The world is hungry to see something real in your life. All creation waits with eager expectation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. How will we be revealed? We obey the word. And that means things are different in our lives. And they say, well, your marriage is different. How, what do you do? You get to say, Jesus. Your children are different. How you get to, I'm not saying, you know, if you love Jesus and you obey the word, your kids, they have a free will of their own. But I'm saying even that, as you struggle, as you mourn, as you pray, as you intercede, as you wrestle, you do it differently. Because your head helps your heart stay balanced when the feelings go up and down. We have a community that we are called to reach. Somebody say amen and I'll stop preaching. We're going to spend a month talking about that. Living that. Dying for that. Serving that. Because I believe with all my heart that we are just a handful of people away. You say, what do you mean? It's not the whole congregation. Listen, if one seed produces 36 or 100 fold, what happens when 36 or 100 people trust Jesus and say yes before they open the word? 
if 30, 60, or 100 people are multiplying 30, 60, and 100 times, it really doesn't take, revival's not something that, Jesus did it with 12. We got more than 12. How many guys want to be a part of this? So Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be good soil. We've been talking about dirt for a month, and I pray, God, that tonight seeds of truth would land on hungry hearts. You'd water it I, with prayer right now. Holy Spirit, water every seed that's been planted. If it's on hard dirt, God, soften it. If it's on rocky dirt, Father, deepen it. If it's on weedy dirt, Father, purify it. If it's on good dirt, Father, bless it. Bless it all. I've lived in moments, and my heart longs for new seasons of friends, brothers, sisters, living and dying in the same direction. I pray, God, let your word come alive and multiply fruit to feed the nations from this church, this congregation, this people, this city. Just like you promised Pastor Burke 50-some years ago, you've promised me a thousand times a lighthouse on a hill, a lighthouse on a hill, a lighthouse on a hill to the nations. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Um, I ask that tonight before you go, you just really ask yourself the condition of your heart. And if the love of God hasn't gotten through yet, there's still a bunch of objections you're afraid to let him love you or you're, you don't want him to because you don't trust him yet. I, I get all that, but I would just simply say this. The day that you believe that he loves you because he loves you, the day that you believe that Jesus died for you because he loves you, that the power of his holiness is so great that even though he was heaped upon the sins of mankind, just piled on him, and he died in our place because he hadn't sinned, death had no hold on him. The wages of sin is death. He carried my death upon his body but, but he wasn't deserving of death. It was substitutionary. He paid for me, so I get to go free, but death can't hold him, so he got to go free. And on the third day, he rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, ever making intercession. What that means is that sometime between the time you woke up this morning and the time you go to bed tonight, Jesus himself called out your name in the presence of the Father. And maybe today Jesus' prayer will be answered. If you're not right with God, would you just consider tonight giving your life to Him? You can harden. You get all emotional and flake out a week from now. You can, you can uh, say, yeah, I'll, I'll fit Him in on Thursday. Or you can say yes before He ever asks you a question. And your life becomes a, just a field of fruit. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Jim, I need this tonight. If that's you, I just, it's very simply where you are right now. Just say, God, I need you. Forgive me. Take away everything that separates my heart from your heart. I need a complete do-over. I, I, need, I need what Jesus did to be done for me, not just done for history. I need him to forgive. I need mercy. I need his love. I, I need to break in a million pieces and let you just come in. And I do, and I do give you my life. So before I open that Bible, I say yes. Send me to the nations. Send me to the poor. Send me across oceans and valleys and mountains and rivers. God, send me across my street. Send me across the hallway. Send me across the aisleway of this church. Wherever you say, my answer is already yes. Father, I just seal that with a prayer in Jesus' holy, powerful, precious name. Amen. Amen.